stand for a moment if you would. We welcome all of you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so very much for being here. And uh, to all of our guests here today, welcome. We have some exciting things that will be going on in the service today uh, as we uh, traverse through our service. And uh, we want the blessing of God. We want the favor of God here today. Thank the Lord. If God isn't here, if God doesn't bless it, then it's really nothing more than a social gathering. I want the Lord to have his way today. Thank the Lord. Let's pray right now and ask God to have his way in this service today, shall we? Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for this incredible moment. We're thankful for this opportunity and privilege to come to worship you, to lift you up. We pray, God, that our minds and hearts are challenged here today. We pray, God, that you would have your way, that the Spirit of the Lord would work. We ask these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Can we clap our hands to Jesus? Let's give him a good welcome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him welcome. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, we welcome Brother Taylor Fairbanks here today. And uh, honored to have him here. Uh, fellow pastor here in the area. And we're thankful that he's here. And thank you for being here uh, so very, very much. Uh, we're also very thankful, very honored today to have Lauren Ventrella here with us. Uh, she is running for the House of Representative District 65 seat. And um, we welcome our uh, political people to come and to uh, speak to Grace Church when we can and when they can. Uh, I enjoy and appreciate having, uh, having the opportunity to meet uh, people that are running for office. And it was a privilege to meet her this morning, uh, Lauren has earned her doctorate degree, has owned her own business for the past nine years, her own law firm. She specializes in injury law. Her husband, Adam, is a Air Force veteran, uh, has served several tours of duty, and her sweet little baby daughter, Vivian Ray, is here with us today. And uh, it's interesting. They live on 14 acres, uh, not far from here, I understand. And they have a lot of animals. They have lots of animals. And they have a cow named Norman and a 100-year-old tortoise named Eugene. I'm telling you these things so you will not forget who this person is. Oh, that's the lady that has the cow named Norman. It should be Normanette, right? But we're okay with that and a, a tortoise that's 100 year old. Lauren, would you come and uh, greet the folks and uh, share with us uh, what you feel to say here this morning. We're glad you're here. Glad you took time out of no doubt a very busy schedule to be with us this morning. Welcome to Grace Church. We're glad you're here. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as, as your pastor so eloquently said, I'm Lauren Ventrella. And I am running for office, but I am not here before you today as a politician. And I'm telling you, I never want to embody that term. I'm here before you today as your sister in Christ. I attend Covenant Community Church up the road, and it's hard not to get a little emotional about this. Um, <laughs> as you know, I have a 14-week uh, daughter over there, and when we found out we were expecting her, 
part of me said, you know, should we do this? Should we run? And the other part of me said, instantly I knew. I said, I, I've got to do this. This is my calling because now I'm invested. What I care about is what y'all care about. I see so many children here today. And today, more importantly than ever, I believe that we need godly leaders. We need to know what's in our leaders' hearts. And as the pastor said, I do a whole lot. <laughs> I run a business. I have a farm. I'm a lawyer. I've been doing that for nine years. I have a 14-week-old. And now I'm running a campaign. And people look at me and they ask my husband, they say, how in the world does your wife do all of that? Y'all, it's not me. It's the strength of Christ. And I know firmly that with me being here today, this is where I'm supposed to be. There's no question in my mind. I know that God gives you certain talents, gifts, and abilities. And I know that God gave me the talent and the ability to communicate, to stand up for what's right, and to get my point across. So I vow to you, we'll say when I get in the Capitol, I wanna be an ally to everybody here. I wanna listen to your concerns. I wanna further conservative values traditional values because all of us here are obviously on the same page with that I always want to be an open ear and I never want to be a politician I always want to be just your sister in Christ so I appreciate y'all so much for having me and I left some uh, a little bit of literature just my background in the lobby if anybody would want that if you have any questions concerns please feel free to reach out for me and again I'm so honored to be here and thank you for having me Thank you, Ms. Ventrella. God bless you. Grace Church, let's commit to praying for all of our candidates, praying for the upcoming election, and that good, godly leadership will be elected and that they will do a good job for our country, or for our, for our state, and certainly for our country as well. Why don't we stand together, and let, let's just open the service today by praying to that end. Let's pray over our, our state, over these upcoming elections for our for our politicians and our leaders. Jesus, we're just so thankful for the opportunity to be in your presence, the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up folks, Lord, that are standing for righteousness and standing for uh, biblical values, Lord. We, we just pray, Lord, that your will would be done and that, that you would move in our midst, God, and move in our leadership, our political system. God, we need you, Lord, in our state. We need you in our country. And, Lord, we need good, godly leaders. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Before we go into the worship set this morning, remain standing with me. I want to just remind you of a couple of things. First of all, if you remember some time ago, Pastor made a wonderful presentation about Mission Louisiana. And this is churches and individuals all over the uh, state of Louisiana giving to uh, do some serious upgrades and remodels and new buildings in, at the campground in Tioga. So if you made a pledge... Uh, to Mission Louisiana, don't forget to honor that pledge each month, and that will, uh, there is a tab set up online on the website for that, so make a note of that. Uh, don't forget that this coming Tuesday is First Tuesday Prayer. We want you to bring your family, come out at 7.30 here in the sanctuary for First Tuesday Prayer um, this coming Tuesday. And then don't forget, next Sunday, Tim LeBlanc will be with us in the service helping lead worship. We're always blessed by his ministry. Uh, so come next week, looking forward to that. And then finally, last announcement before we worship, I'm so excited to announce our third annual Chili Cook-Off for November the 4th. Amen. Amen. That's right. 
Now, Hannah Lewis won last year. Do y'all remember this? Hannah Lewis was the champion. That's right. That's right. She was the champion chili cook, won the cook-off. So somebody, you know, you need to challenge the, the, the champion, you know. And so we're looking for folks to sign up. If you would like to be a participant in Cook Chili and enter your chili in that cook-off, see Sister Sheila Church Office. She'll get you all the details. But do mark your calendar for Saturday, November the 4th. We'll have a good time at the chili cook-off. Are you ready to worship the Lord? Amen. The praise team's going to take us into his presence. Why don't you clap your hands to Jesus as we worship?
change everything. Your chains may not be the same as my chains. It could be chains of depression, anxiety, fear, sickness. It doesn't matter what your chains are. If you take them to Jesus, watch him change everything. I challenge you today to take whatever your chains are. If I didn't name it, whatever your chains are, take it to Jesus and watch him change everything. It'll blow your mind.
walked into this building today. Your needs can be met in this place today. Worship Him and sing. thankful for that and we're thankful to be again in this presence something that I never take for granted love the presence of the Lord thank the Lord you can be seated for just a moment it's always exciting to see somebody no matter how old or young it's always exciting to see somebody baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus and 
excited about it. And I look forward to these times when we have the privilege of baptizing somebody. And I love the response. I love the response. There's always just a nice roar from the crowd as you express your excitement uh, for water baptism and what have you. And uh, actually all throughout this service today, you could hear from up here, you could hear just praise and worship uh, coming from the congregation. We're not here to be entertained, but we're here to praise and worship the Lord. We're thankful for Miss Ellie Rue being baptized today in the beautiful name of Jesus. And uh, we're thankful for Jeremy and Brooke and for their beautiful baby girl. Thank the Lord. She's a miracle baby. God gave them, gave her to them. And we're still excited about that. Ellie, can you come up and receive your certificate today? And uh, we're thankful uh, that our, our kids learned at an early age via Sunday school, via Bible study, etc., about the importance of being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. I asked Jeremy, I said, how old is Ellie? He said, she's six, about to be seven. I said, don't rush it, man. Let her stay six until the very last minute. We do have a young person at this church that will celebrate a birthday and turn them whatever, however year old they are. You ask them how old they are the next day, and they said, I'm going on the next year. I said, you just turned this one. So how can you be going on the next one? Don't rush it, folks. It'll get here. Ellie, we're excited for you, baby. Excited that you were baptized today in the beautiful name of Jesus. And uh, we want to give you this certificate as we always do here at Grace Church. And it just simply says that Ellie Salmon was baptized on October the 1st at Grace Church. And you can bring that to your mom and dad and they'll keep it for you so that you never forget what happened today. You happy about that? Thank you, Lord. God bless you, sweetie. You go back to your sleep. Thank the Lord. That's wonderful. We are so thankful, and uh, I'm excited for parents to experience this. It just helps you feel a little bit better about your child building and establishing that relationship with Jesus in their own way as they grow up, and I think that's very important. That needs to happen with everybody. Thank the Lord. Well, I know you've been standing for a while, and you've just sat down, but as our custom is, we'd like to invite you to stand again for the man of God that's coming to this pulpit today. I've asked Brother Jason to minister to us today through the Word of God, with the Word of God, and I always look forward to his speaking. He does an excellent job. He walks with God, loves God, he loves this church, he loves the kingdom of God. Let's give him a good welcome as he comes to minister to us today. God bless you. You can't be seated. But I'm going to have you stand again in just a moment. But I, I wanted you to, to be seated uh, as I make just a few introductory remarks this morning. Um, you, you hang out for just a minute, Brother Daniel. Just, just stay there. You keep doing what you're doing. Uh, first thing I want to tell you this morning, I want to remind you that on August 13th, Brother Greg Albritton preached for us. It was the Murphy's 30th anniversary weekend. How many of you remember that, that he, that he was here? Yeah, we love Brother Greg. And he always does an amazing job. And he preached a message entitled, A New Coat for a New Day, whenever he was here with us that weekend. And he took a text from 1 Samuel chapter 2, and he focused on how Hannah, Samuel's mother, 
would bring Samuel a new coat every year while he lived and ministered at the temple as a boy. Now, the reason why Hannah brought him a new coat every year is because Samuel would grow physically. And his old coat, the former coat, the coat from last year, just wouldn't fit anymore. There was nothing wrong with it. Samuel just outgrew it. And Brother Albritton's message was a great confirmation to me about this message that I'm going to endeavor to preach to you today. Because whenever he talked to us back in August, I had been working on this message for close to two months. And uh, I had been praying and asking God for clarity. And Brother Albritton's message played a huge role in that. Now, I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. Whenever he announced his title, A New Coat for a New Day, my heart kind of sank because I already had my title for this one picked out. And I was like, Lord, I prayed for clarity, but I didn't want you to send somebody that would preach my message. But I think it's going to be different enough. So that's the first thing I wanted to tell you, remind you of a new coat for a new day. The second thing I want to tell you before we launch today is I want to tell you what this message is not. Everybody say not. It's not. It's favorite neighbor time here at Grace Church. So look at your favorite neighbor right now. Look them right in the eyeballs and tell them it's not. I need, I need 100% class participation on this. It's not. Grace Church, this is not a message about church leadership. This is not a message about the Murphys. This is not a message about the Louisiana District UPC. This is not a message about the UPCI International. This is not a message about this church, uh, a church, a group, an organization. And if you think that way, at any point in this message, then you're going to miss the point. I'm here today to talk to you about you and to talk to you about me. So don't take it and, and turn it into something controversial. So I'm going to belabor the point just a little bit. I want everybody to take your hand. Just hold it right out like this. Don't go up here. That's the danger zone. Just hold it straight out right here. Good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good participation. Some of you in the back need to get on board. Now I want you to point your finger out. We're real good at this part right here. Point that finger. Now here comes the hard part. Kids, don't try this at home. I want you to take that and just curl it. There you go. I have faith in you, Grace Church. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, all the way. Give yourself about four or five taps right there. This is a message about you. And this is a message about me. You did great. Thank you. Thank you. The third thing I want to tell you today is I, I want to dedicate this message today to all of the people that are in transition. Now, that's a broad statement because all of us can be in transition. But if you're here today and you've seen your plans evaporate, You've seen your dreams die and rot on the vine. I want you to know that God is reaching for you today. You thought that you had a path forward, and, and, and you thought you had it, it marked out. You knew what was coming, but then life took a turn that you never thought possible, and it's just left you wondering, okay, God, now what? What am I supposed to do now? Some things happened that were outside of your control and you responded as best as you could in ways that were spiritual. But in spite of your best efforts, it's just left you kind of floundering. And you're in this, this weird place between faith and doubt where you're just not sure how to move forward. If that's you this morning, then I want you to know that this message is for you. Amen. So with all of that in mind, let's get to some Bible 
You can stand with me as we read our text. Brother Daniel, thank you so much. Very familiar passage to begin this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season, and to every purpose under the heaven. Going down to verse 6, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. The writer said, to everything there is a season. There's a time to keep some things. And there's a time to throw them away. There's a time to hold on, and there's a time to, to just let go. Going now to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Scripture says in, in verse 18, actually, it says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. In verse 19, the Lord speaks and says, Behold, that's a word that means look, see. Pay attention. Be alert. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, do you not perceive it? God's asking a question here. He said, I'm doing something new. Can you see it? That tells me that it's possible for God to be doing a new thing, but for us to not be aware of it. I will do a new thing, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is speaking to Israel through the prophet Isaiah while the people are still in captivity in Babylon. And he's telling them to forget the former, former things. And he's speaking of how he delivered them from Egypt long ago. The ten plagues and the death angel and the Passover and parting the Red Sea and manna in the wilderness. And God reminds them of those things and then he tells them, I want you to forget it. Because now I'm doing something new. I know you're still standing. I'm going to let you sit in just a moment. But God's telling them, I'm going to deliver you. But the way I did it in the past is not going to be how I do it in the future. See, this is a new season. And yes, the old way was powerful and it, it worked. But I'm not going to do it that way again. And if you're looking for me to use the same methods that are a part of your history, that are a part of your tradition, things that you are comfortable with and that you've come to expect, then you're going to miss this new thing I'm doing in play. So I want to talk to you today, Grace Church, about new shoes for a new season. Let's pray. Lord, your presence is here. And now the time has come to deliver this word that you have just been wearing me out with. So I pray that you would help me to speak it in a way that they can hear it. I pray that their hearts would be wide open to your word and what you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Have y'all ever, uh, ever had a pair of shoes that just refuse to die? I mean, they, they just... They just lasted forever. I have. I've had a pair of shoes like that. Back in the previous century, I mean 1997, I had just secured my first big boy job as a highly paid public educator in Livingston Parish. And I needed some new shoes. And Doc Martens, come on somebody, 
There's my 90s people. Doc Martens were all the rage. Now, look, I didn't get the edgy, punk rock approved, black, halfway up to your knee, combat boot, Doc Martens. That's not my thing. If that's yours, God bless you. It's just not J-Boy's aesthetic. Instead, I paid $110, which was a lot of money for us back then, for the Doc Martin 8057 three-eyelet ankle boot in dark brown. And I got a few pics for you. Yes, indeed. Take it in. Stylish. Height of fashion. Those things were fire back in 1997. In my khaki pants and polo shirt that came from Gap, and my braided leather belt, and my Doc Martens, it was on. Y'all, I wore those things almost every day for 10 years. I did. Pacing the floors of my classroom, up and down the floors of Sea Hall at the old Live Oak High that is now Live Oak Junior High, concrete sidewalks, asphalt parking lots, dusty gravel parking lots, shiny gym floors, and muddy football fields. Those Doc Martin 8057 three-eyelet ankle boots went some places. And they would not die. They would not. Start to look a little rough, just rub some Doc Martin's Wonder Balsam on there, and they would just keep right on going. Good for another 7,000 miles. I love those shoes, man. I did. They looked good. They were comfortable. They were multi-purpose. But then in 2008, I changed jobs and I took a position at the Department of Education as a program consultant doing grant management work. And Brother Dave, my Doc Martin 8057 three-eyelet ankle boots and dark brown just did not fit in with the professional attire required at the Department of Education's cube farm on the fourth floor. So I needed something a little dressier, something more professional. So I bought these bad boys. The Doc Martin wingtip in brown. Started wearing those to work every day. Now, look, there was nothing wrong with the old ones, mind you. It was just a, it was just a new season in life. It was a different season with different requirements and new expectations. I am preaching so good already. Y'all don't even realize it. Now, I know some of you here today, you're probably a little anxious, wondering, like, what happened to the Doc Martin 8057 three-eyelet ankle boots? Eventually, uh, they did start to look a little tired and, uh, frankly, were even way out of style, even for me, which I'm no fashionista, so that tells you something right there. Like, they were way out of style. So I did what any sensible, red-blooded American dad does with his old shoes— Come on, somebody. They became my yard working shoes. That's exactly right. I started using them for mowing the yard and weed eating and just stomping around the property. And eventually, I'm sad to say, those Doc Martin 8057s got so gross that I was just afraid to put my foot on them anymore, lest there be a fungus among us. So into the trash they went. Not because they were worn out. No holes, 
no busted seams. They were just old and gross. They were faithful to the end, good friends and traveling companions for years. Those Doc Martin 8057, three eyelet ankle boots in dark brown. Y'all, I probably got 15 years of good use out of those shoes, and they just refused to wear out. Y'all ever had a pair of shoes like that? Yeah. The children of Israel did. They were super shoes. Deuteronomy 29 and 5 talks about it, and Moses is speaking to Israel before they enter into the promised land. And Moses said this, he said, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes are not waxing old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. Your clothes didn't wear out, your shoes didn't wear out. And this, is, this verse is part of Moses' speech to Israel after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Just before they go into the promised land, and Moses is reminding them of all the things that God has done for them. And one of the things that Moses chooses to highlight is that your clothes and your shoes did not wear out. Now, I don't know how that worked. I don't understand it. They're out there in the desert stomping around in the sand for 40 years. I don't know how shoes don't wear out. I, I don't understand that any more than I understand how manna came from heaven. God just did it. It was a miracle, and it worked. Believe the Scripture. After 40 years of walking in the wilderness, they had shoes that just didn't wear out. Now, we will often use Egypt and the wilderness and the promised land experience in Exodus as a metaphor for Christian life. This should sound familiar, but it's an Old Testament story that reflects a New Testament experience. You have the enslavement of the Hebrews in Egypt, which is like a picture of the modern person's enslavement to sin. You have a deliverance from that enslavement in the form of a Passover lamb that is sacrificed and the people put their hope in it. And by faith, they apply its blood to their doorpost and they're saved from death. And they're also saved from the Egyptian power that once controlled them. Just like the New Testament Christian claims the blood of Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. By faith and obedience to scripture to be saved from spiritual death through sin. And then the Hebrews see this supernatural grace of God, and they enter into a new season. They've been slaves for 400 years, but now they're entering into a new season, but it's a transitional season, a transitory season of proving. They were not called to be freed from Egypt to go into the wilderness and stay in the wilderness. That's not what God had in mind for them. The wilderness was supposed to be a pass-through channel. Like a hallway between rooms, Brother Blake Williams. It was just meant to be something that they passed through. This pass-through channel for God to bring them from where they were to something greater, the promised land. The wilderness, the desert, was not intended to be a permanent place for those Hebrews. The wilderness is miserable on purpose. It is meant to be a flow-through, a pass-through. You are meant to be uncomfortable in the wilderness. It's not supposed to be pleasant. It is a transitionary place between where you were and where God has planned for you. And sometimes it's a place of agony where you live while craving something more. And while they were in that uncomfortable place, they had shoes that did not wear out. That's pretty miraculous, isn't it? But when God 
brings his people forward, it often means saying goodbye to previous things. There's nothing wrong with those desert sandals. Those wilderness shoes are actually pretty impressive if you think about it. Supernatural, miraculous, they were super shoes. Yet we get the idea after Israel left the wilderness and entered into the promised land, some things changed. Some things that they had gotten used to started to shift. They ate manna for 40 years in the wilderness. That ceased. We'll read about that in a moment. Moses led them for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, he's out of the picture. He wasn't the leader anymore. Joshua was. They followed a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night while they were in the wilderness. That went away at some point. And their clothes and shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. But once they entered the promised land, well, we don't have record of that anymore. And what's really interesting to me are a couple of instances in this larger wilderness narrative where God actually tells people to take their shoes off. Now, we're going to work backward through Scripture here. Y'all just hang with me. We're going to talk about Joshua first at an event that happened later in Israel's history. And then we're going to go back to Moses at an earlier event. The chronology of the events is not as important as the principle being displayed. Let me show you. Joshua 5, read from the NIV here just for clarity. It says, On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Watch this. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food. There it is. There were no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. How do you like that answer? But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now get the picture of what's happening here. After 40 years of wilderness wandering, Israel has finally entered into the promised land of Canaan. Moses is no longer in the picture. Joshua is now the leader of Israel. And they're camped on the plains near Jericho, getting ready to go into battle for the first time. And Joshua looks up and he sees this man standing in front of him holding a drawn sword. And Joshua says, hey, are you on, are you on our side or are you on their side? Neither, says the man. Right out of the box, he's letting Joshua know, you think you know how things work. And you're locked into this dichotomy where it's, it's us on our side and them on their side. But that is an incomplete picture of reality, Joshua. Because there's another play at work here. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on the Lord's side. And as a matter of fact, I'm the captain of his armies. And Joshua says, well, tell me what you want me to do. Great response, Joshua. And the first thing the angel says is, Take off your shoes because the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Take off your shoes, Joshua. This is a holy place. The Hebrew word there is kodesh. 
It's a separate thing. It's a set-apart thing. It's a sacred thing. It's a, it's a hallowed thing. So this is a separate place, a set-apart place, a sacred place. Now, I think we all here today, those of you that have been in church for five minutes, we all understand the reason Joshua removed his shoes was out of respect and reverence for the angel's command. Maybe that angel was a theophany, an, an Old Testament uh, fleshly manifestation of God incarnate. Maybe so, maybe not. I'm not here to debate that today. But either way, yes, Joshua removed his shoes out of respect for the place. It's holy because God was meeting with him there. But get what's going on in the larger context here today, church. Joshua and Israel are at this point of transition. They're leaving one season of life for a new season of life. They're leaving one system of living for a new system of living. They're leaving the mindsets and the processes and the routines of the past 40 years of wilderness wandering for a new, as yet unknown, season where God would do new things that they had never seen Him do before. New miracles, new provision, new enemies, new victories. New season. Now their identity was not changing, but their purpose was. They were no longer wanderers. They were about to become warriors. And in that moment of transition, in that place of meeting, God sends Joshua a message that says, Take your shoes off. Those shoes you've been wearing in the wilderness for the past 40 years, Joshua, take them off. Those supernatural miracle shoes, take them off. That symbol of my provision and my favor with you, take it off. Those things that I have blessed and even used for your protection from the environment, take them off. Not because there's anything faulty with them. Not because there's anything wrong with them. Not because they are inferior in any way, but simply because I'm moving you into a new season that has new requirements and expectations. Take your shoes off, Joshua. And that's really significant to me. Because God had told Moses to do the same thing some 40 years earlier. I told you, we're working backwards this morning. But I want to establish something and go back to the first time God ever talked about anybody's shoes. It's the first time in Scripture that shoes are ever even mentioned. I want you to see if you can pick up on the similarities between these two stories. So going to Exodus chapter 3 and back to the King James. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And God said, Draw not nigh hither. Stop where you are, Moses. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. It's a different man this time, not Joshua, Moses. 
But another 40-year season has just been completed. Moses had spent the past 40 years in the wilderness leading sheep. And once again, the angel of the Lord appears. Not a man with a drawn sword this time, but a burning bush. And God identifies himself. And what does he say? Take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. And yes, it's sacred set-apart ground because God was there, just like Joshua's experience would be later. But also see that Moses was in a moment of transition where God was changing his life's direction, changing his purpose, changing his calling. You've been in the wilderness for 40 years now, Moses, keeping sheep and learning the ways of the wilderness, but things are about to shift for you. You're about to walk into some different places, places with new expectations. So take your shoes off. Y'all doing all right? Okay. Why shoes? Why shoes? Why tell Moses and Joshua to remove their shoes? Why not your cloak, that thing that protects you from the elements? Why not your robe, that thing that keeps you from being naked? Why not, why not your belt? Why not your staff, Moses? Why wasn't that the first thing God told him to put off? Or why not your sword, Joshua? The first thing God said to remove was their shoes. Why? Well, in Scripture, shoes are symbolic of preparation for a task. Shoes are literally the thing you go in. Having shoes on your feet means you are prepared, you are equipped, you are ready to go. Matter of fact, Exodus 12, don't put it up yet, media. God is giving instructions to Moses about how they are to approach and observe the first Passover. The angel of death is going to visit the land of Egypt that night and kill the firstborn of anyone that does not have the blood applied to their house. And God tells Moses, here's what I want you to have the people of Israel do. This first Passover, make sure you have the blood of the lamb on your doorposts. And here's the meal I want you to cook and how I want you to prepare it. But when you eat it, this is how you are to prepare and approach it. Exodus 12 and 11, show immediate. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded. In other words, with your cloak tucked into your belt. That's what you did whenever you got ready to run. Whenever you got ready to move fast, you tucked your cloak into your belt. And watch this, your shoes on your feet. And your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Have your shoes on your feet tonight, Israel. Because I'm bringing you into a new season. I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm taking you out of its systems of slavery, out of its victims' mentalities, and out of all the dysfunctional processes that you've lived in for the past 400 years. I'm going to take you out of the trauma. I'm going to take you out of the wrecked relationships. Yes, I am going to take you into a new place. And I'm moving you to a new place physically out of Egypt but I'm also taking you to a new place spiritually and relationally because I'm about to take you to a, a place of new revelation where you will see me and interact with me in a totally different ways. And you need to have your shoes on your feet to get there. So be ready, be prepared because there is a new season coming your way. 
So shoes in Scripture are all about preparation. They're all about readiness. The passage in Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, all that. Watch this. Verse 15, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shoes are preparation in Scripture. Shoes are methods and approaches to doing a thing, to taking a journey. Now get ready, because here it comes. Let's answer the question. Why shoes? Why take off your shoes? Well, because removing shoes was a sign of reverence and respect, but it was also a sign of humility. Going unshod in those ancient Near Eastern cultures was often a rebuke. It was a sign of a a lower class position. It was demeaning to go without shoes. Slaves went unshod. Servants went around without shoes on. The removal of the shoe was a positioning of humility, putting that clay earthen vessel of man back in touch with the dust from which he came, and it was also a sign of vulnerability. It was a lowering of self for the recognition of one greater. Take off your shoes, Moses. Can you humble yourself with me in this moment? I know, Moses, I know. You understand the ways of the wilderness, man. You figured out the environment. You understand the weather. You know the terrain out here. I know, Moses, you have got desert survival all figured out. You know where all the watering holes are. You've got a system that works in this wilderness you've been walking in for years. And you've managed to do okay. You're surviving in the wilderness, Moses, just fine. But will you become vulnerable in my presence in this holy place? Will you take off your preparation and your readiness in this moment? Because I have a new season in mind for you, some new things that I want you to learn, some new things I want you to learn about me, some new things I want to show you about yourself. So take off your shoes, Moses, because it's a new season. What about you, Joshua? Will you take your shoes off? You've come through this season of proving and testing and refinement where all of the old mindsets of Egypt and the thought patterns and the inclinations of slavery were literally killed off in your wilderness season. But I am changing your season now, Joshua. You're about to go into battle. The season is about to change from one of wilderness wandering and wilderness survival to one of taking territory and fighting giants and taking walled cities and possessing promises. It's a new season. You're a good leader, Joshua. My hand is on you. You are faithful and you are capable. But can you pause with me here in this moment of transition before the season changes and be humble and be vulnerable? Because I know those shoes that you're walking in have been miraculous. But are you willing to trust me enough to take them off and let me lead you into a new season where I can do even more miraculous things? There's nothing wrong with the shoes you've been walking in, Joshua. It's just a new season. So will you take off those perfectly 
good, miraculous, supernatural shoes that have served you so well in your previous season so that I can do something new. And that right there, Grace Church, that right there, that's the challenge. That is the old shoe challenge. And it's real. Because there's nothing wrong with your old shoes. So why give them up? You could make a strong argument for keeping those old shoes. It almost seems disrespectful, ungrateful, dishonoring to take off those supernatural wilderness survival shoes. God gave you those shoes. God did some great things with those shoes. Those old shoes have have seen you through some stuff. It just doesn't seem right to take off the super shoes of the old season. Especially when you consider the battles and challenges of the new season. You could almost make an argument for just staying in the wilderness. Man, we got this figured out. We've got manna every day. God's given us water when we need it. We know how the wilderness works. Just stay here. Leave the giants and the enemies and the walled cities over there in the promised land. You could almost say we just keep our old shoes and stay here in this old season and we would be just fine. Thank you very much. See, your old shoes, your old shoes always want to go with you into the new season. Deuteronomy 3, Moses is the one speaking here. Moses said, and I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. Moses is buttering God up because he's got a big ask. So he's letting God know how amazing he is. For what God is there in heaven or earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? God, you're awesome. Here comes the ask. I pray thee, let me go over. Moses wasn't going into the promised land. God told him. You messed up a couple of times, Moses. You're staying here. You're not going over there. Moses said, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond the Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sake. A bunch of Israelites, it's your fault. And would not hear me. And the Lord said to me, let it suffice thee. This is enough, Moses. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Don't talk to me about this anymore. You can go up to the top of Pisgah that mountain up there, and you can lift your eyes westward, northward, southward, and eastward, and behold it. You can look at the promised land with your eyes, but you're not going over Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. You're not going over, Moses. Moses asked God to allow him to enter the promised land, and God says, no, Don't ask me this anymore. You can go to Pisgah and see it, but you are not the one to lead them into this next season, Moses. They don't need your desert survival faith anymore in this next season. They need possess the land, take the promise faith in this new season. See, this is why I told you. This is not about church leadership. That's not what this is about. So so don't get it all twisted here at the end and turn it into something controversial and insurrectionist. That's not what this is about. This is about what God wants to do in your life right now. 
And your old supernatural desert survival shoes would love to go with you into the new season. And you would probably love the comfort, security, and peace of mind that would go along with having them with you. But God said, behold, I do a new thing. Will you not know it? Do you only have the faith for me to do for you what I have done in the past? Or do you trust me to do great things in your future too? Well, where is your faith? Is your faith in me? Is your faith in God? Or is it in a method? Is your faith in me? Is your faith in your job, your career, your education? Is your faith in me? Is your faith in a relationship? Is your faith in me? Or is it in that dream you had, that ambition in your heart? Is your faith in me? Or is it in the plans that you made? Is your faith in me? Or is it in your preparations? Take your shoes off, Joshua. It's time for a new season. I know they're great, but you don't need those old shoes anymore. I can still provide for you. I can still take care of you. You don't need those old shoes as much as you think you do. I want to do a new thing. Will you not know it? Take your shoes off, Joshua. And Joshua did so. And Jason did so. And Patricia did so. And Blake did so. And Braylon did so. Take your shoes off. Musicians come. Give the people some hope. I know it's been long. I do not apologize. You don't know what I've cut. <laughs> I have left four weeks of good sermon material on the cutting room floor. But we're coming in for a landing. Jason, I, I hear what you're saying, man, but I'm no Moses. I'm no Joshua. Man, I'm here today, and I'm... I'm not really feeling prepared for any season. I wasn't ready for the last season, and I'm sure not ready for the next season. I'm here today, man. I'm struggling under the, the weight of my mistakes. If I'm wearing anything today, Jason, it's not, it's not shoes of preparation. It's shame and guilt and just a bunch of mess that I just can't seem to take off. Man, look, I get it. I do, I get it. I, I probably get it better than you think I do. Let me show you something in Luke 15. Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. Young man went to his father and said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. And I'm not going to wait till you die. The father did. The son went to a foreign land and wasted everything that his father had given him. And it got so bad that he found himself feeding pigs. And so hungry he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. And so the parable says that the son came to himself one day and he, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to go back home to my father 
and, and I'm going to tell him, Dad, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. Just let me come home as a servant. But the Bible says that the father saw his son coming from a great way off. He had been watching for him, looking for him. And he, that he ran out to meet his son while he was still on the road and that he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son made his speech, Dad, I've sinned against you and I've, I've sinned against heaven and I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Just, just make me a hired servant. The father said, I'd never seen this before. This is what the father said. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Prodigal, it's a new season for you too. Yeah, you've made some mistakes. Yeah, you're different than when you left. Your experience has changed you some. You, you lost the shoes that you left in. But it's a new season. And I want you to know you don't have to be a Moses or Joshua. You can be a prodigal in the house today. And God says, I've got new shoes for you too. Y'all stand with me. So where are you at, Moses? Where are you? You've been getting by in your wilderness sandals. Doing okay. You've learned how to survive in the desert environment you've been walking in. You know the rules of the desert. You know how to keep things moving and looking good. But you've heard the whispers of God's voice. And it's no burning bush, but he's still been calling your name. Hey, can we talk? Can, can you stop what you're doing and turn aside long enough, Moses, for us to have a moment together a moment of humility a moment of vulnerability Moses it's time for you to leave this desert it's time for a new season don't you see it don't you sense it aren't you aware of it take off those desert sandals you've been walking in and trust me for what's coming next Moses where are you Joshua you've been walking in those miraculous shoes for some time now You've seen God's supernatural provision, even though it's been a wilderness experience. Life hasn't been comfortable, but it's been doable because you know that God has been with you. But there is a promise in your life that still remains unpossessed as of yet. There is a place that you know God has for you, but you also know it's going to require taking some territory and going to war with some things. Well, he's calling you too, Joshua. Can we meet? Can we talk? I want to do a new thing. And I know you don't want to be disrespectful, Joshua. I know you want to honor our past. But it's okay to take those supernatural experiences of yesterday off because that's not what's going to empower you in this new season anyway. Will you take off those old sandals? I know you feel vulnerable. But do you trust me? What about you, prodigal son? Where are you, prodigal daughter? 
you've been some places lately you never intended to go, living away from the Father's heart, and you've made some mistakes, and things haven't turned out like you thought they would, and you don't know where or how, but somewhere along the way you lost the shoes that Daddy gave you. And you're walking through life today exposed, vulnerable, hurting in all of the wrong ways. And you're more than just a little ashamed. Well, here's your calling too, prodigal son, prodigal daughter. She's calling you too. Hey, can we talk? Can we meet? I've got a special place prepared. It's a it's a Kodesh place, set apart, sacred for this moment between the two of us. See, I, I've been looking for you. I've been watching for you. I've been hoping to, to see that shape coming down the road, coming back home. Can I, can I just fall on your neck and, and hug you and tell you that all is forgiven? Just welcome back. Just welcome back. And oh, yeah, got some new shoes waiting for you yeah you're different from what you were whenever you left prodigal son you've got some marks on you to prove it life and sin can do that but you're still my son you're still my daughter and I've got a new season in mind for you and some new shoes to go along with it I want you to try on. I think you'll find that they fit just perfectly. Mm. This is a Kodesh moment. This is a holy place. But God said, I've got some people I want to meet with. You willing to be humbled? You're willing to be vulnerable in his presence. There's new shoes waiting for the new season that God's bringing you into. As they begin to sing, we're just going to pray. If you want to come to this altar and pray, if you need to pray where you are. But I know God's been talking to some people here today. Lord, in your name, in your name, you called their name today. You've spoken to them and you've, you've said, oh, this is, this is our meeting point. This is the place that I've ordained and, and set aside and I've made it holy. And yes, there's going to be some humility that needs to be involved because I, I've got to take off what I've been walking in. And there's going to be some, some moments of vulnerability here, but I've got new shoes in mind to prepare you for the new season that you're going to walk in. It's no accident. No accident that you've been feeling so uncomfortable with the place that you've been in because those old shoes just aren't going to do it in the new season. It's okay. It's not disrespectful. It's not dishonoring. You're not ungrateful. You can take off some things as I lead you forward into some new things. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we sing. Show us to the Lord.